0: Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Well, we got got a lot spinning in the in the world today. There there's there's a lot going on. Um one of those which I think we just saw a whirlwind of commentary about was this whole student student debt. It's amidst a lot of other factors in in our economy, a lot of things changing. Um and I know you have a column coming out about this. I wanted to here here your thoughts how do you how do you digest you've you've always been a, a good voice that doesn't tend to lean too far left or right and it's hard not to turn on the news and see extreme left or extreme right so what's what how do you how do you or what's what's the Mike Metzger take
1: on <laughs> this topic today you mean the morning mic check or something like that <laughs> well uh yeah so first of all it's uh we tackle a lot of it in the in the column it has to do with student loan and but uh, what we wanted to tease out a bit more in this uh, podcast is um these there's a these are evidences of what it means to be living in a left brain world and uh, and of course what we point point out is is no one unless you've had a lobotomy or uh, uh has uh is left or right brain only, but we pay attention to the world either via our right or left hemisphere of our brain. We bias one. And this bias is unconscious and largely unaware also. I talking to a friend the other day and they said uh, his pastor once asked him, you know, are you right brained or left brained? And that's a giveaway right there that your left brain even asks such a question. It shows that you Hmm. have very little comprehension of what it means to bias one or the other unconsciously. And because 95% of our behaviors are non-conscious or unconscious, the best way to discern whether or not you bias the right or left hemisphere is two ways. One remarkably is through picture drawing. And then the second is through asking people uh, who know you well, Uh, asking not just your adoring fans but your toughest critics that right there is what uh, those who bias the left hemisphere tend not to do because they have an overwhelm they have a um, uh, an overconfidence that they know themselves which uh, is odd because uh, the Bible through and through talks about we are strangers to ourselves and so that's a very long-winded way to set a preface for this thing here, <laughs> that uh, we're, we're living in a world that uh, many, including Ian McGilchrist, who we cite regularly here, would say 95% of the population of the Western world biases the left hemisphere. doesn't matter if you're an artist, a painter, or a singer. In fact, even 89% of those who are left-handed that because the brain is contralateral, that means you should be biasing your right hemisphere. In fact, picture drawing exercises show they bias their left hemisphere. Left-handed people, maybe eighty-nine percent of the population. So that's really the, There's the power of cultures, by the way. Is a they're the water going through our gills, and as we've often joked, if you pull up fish out of the Anacostia River in Washington, D.C., and ask him, how's the water? He's going to go, what the hell is water? Uh, and so we're, we're in a world that heavily biases the left hemisphere. Now, in the column, what I point out is that the left hemisphere only understands numbers as absolutes, which is very good for doing accounting, by the way. So 2 plus 2 equals 4. Sure. 3, three minus 1 is 2. Necessary. But it is only in the right hemisphere that we understand numbers in context, and so part of the play in the student debt forgiveness is that it plays well for those who bias the left hemisphere. Uh, maybe I have uh, thirty thousand in debt, and you're going to raise ten thousand, and I end up with twenty. That's a good deal. For those who bias the right hemisphere ask the question: Where does the money come from? Now, again, in the column, we touch on all this, but I want to talk a bit more about this for this reason. Just as a matter of space, I didn't bring up the twelve hundred dollars that uh, all the taxpayers received, uh, I guess, a year or so ago. And again, I want to stipulate this is a this is a nonpartisan issue. Um, Democrat, Republican, they both do it. They know how to mollify the masses, and uh, one way you do that is you give them something. But you, uh, the sleight of hand is you don't uh, answer the question, "Where does this money come from?" And uh, this is this is important because, as uh, as Augustine wrote, part of the reason why Christians, the early church, was concerned about the public square and making flourishing cultures is that is what produces what he called the best of citizens. And I find that most Christians today are not the best of citizens. In fact, they're politicized and they're polarized. You can go to any church and say, oh, this is mostly Republicans here. You go to another church, oh, this is mostly Democrats. And because of that, um, that shows a bias for the left hemisphere that doesn't think through, or doesn't even now constantly just immediately go to a question. So I'm gonna take up the, the issue of the $1,200. How long ago did we at that bet, $1,200? gosh uh was it uh, uh, at least a year maybe yeah, you, you guys have spent it already it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: you know it's cool <laughs> and the, the first question that you know kathy and i had was why 1200 we don't need 1200 No, i'm not patting ourselves on the back but we gave it away now the odd thing is you know we run this pop-up pantry for the hispanic community and the odds are that there's some obviously there's some people come through they're undocumented um they're living paycheck to paycheck they could use it they didn't get it and uh that's one of the incongruities first of all yes, ask where did this come from second that we thought we'd just touch on lightly here today in uh, this podcast is uh in fact economists point out that since that twelve hundred dollars inflation that it caused has more than eaten up twelve hundred dollars in the earning power in other words You now have less buying power and less money, real money than you had before you got the $1,200. That's where people who buy us the right hemisphere go. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, it's funny you say that. I was,
0: so during that time, one of the things that shocked me, and I had this conversation with some friends, is, is just all out confusion of you, you mentioned this is, this is a bipartisan thing. I knew a lot of people on the left who were all about it. I knew so it's
1: nonpartisan, it's not so, bipartisan. Yes, it's There's so, nothing we do anymore, it's bipartisan. Yes. Good correction.
0: Um, I knew people on the right who were so jazzed about it. And I was very confused because the context of the right seemed to be far more uh, smaller government, you know, these things that have historically been things on the right. And yet here we were dishing out a ton of money. I was, I was very confused. And, and it, it just clearly exposed. We are so narrowly focused on this one thing, which I think speaks to your left brain that we
1: can't, cannot see beyond that. Yes, I would concur that, uh, you know, the, the simplest way most people, my, 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 and what most people are feeling is go to the grocery store. Oh, I yeah. bought four things yesterday, four for
0: $21. My, my wife recently said, when is this going to end? And I was like, uh, it's not. <laughs> <That's>, it's not. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. You know, Econ one would say that if you have a dollar and I have a dollar, and uh, there's one item out there for a dollar, I'm going to realize I could sell that one item for even more if, if you have, well, let's say you have $2 and you're going to both compete for this $1 item because you have this money. You just got $1,200. You went from me having 800 to 2000. The market's going to say you can raise the price on that because you have more money chasing the same good. So the value of that good, which is relative again to the market, Goes up. I'm not talking about the intrinsic true value of it, but the value of it, what people will pay for it. And if it goes up, and let's say if it goes up, I can mark it all the way up to two thousand. I'm now taking you twelve hundred, and I've already taken away eight hundred. I've cheapened it by eight hundred dollars. Now, yep. it's to the government's advantage to do that because. Again, in the column, we're going to point out the federal debt works out to be around $86,000 per uh, individual in the United States, but it's unfunded liabilities add in another plus 500,000 to total uh, 500 trillion. So the total, if you took unfunded liabilities and federal debt, if we wanted to wipe out both of them, every individual in the United States would have to cut a check for $620,000. Now, that's how the right brain thinks, is first of all, you go, well, that ain't going to happen. Second, if you take out a loan for that, let's just say you're going to say, hey, Pat and Maddie decide we're going to be good citizens, and so do Mark Kathy. so we're all taking out loans for $620,000, so we cut a check to the federal government, which I know sounds asinine because you know what's going to happen the next day is they're going to spend all that money and go start wearing, going right back into debt but if you reduce all that then each one of us have taken on a loan for five six thousand dollars for the next 30 years mm. you get that kind of money sitting around <laughs> now listeners what you don't see is the joy of here before 6 a.m in the morning is uh, pat can have a little son wake up and start playing with the light in the room so we took a pause but Actually, the reason I said all that is that Pat has a little son who already wants to think ambidextrously. This guy <laughs> wants to—he wants to eat this stuff up. He's getting in on the exciting, yeah you know, the conversation. He wants to hear it. So here's the point that we that will maybe lead this with you in a brief podcast is. You know that one of the things that eventually led to the collapse of the Roman Empire was, was. It had unfunded liabilities and unsustainable debt, and yet it gave out freebies to mollify the masses. Free, um, I've been to the Coliseum, but that could hold, they uh, believe in excess of almost a hundred thousand people. There was free. And there's, uh, you know, I think about Neil Postman's book, wonderful book years ago amusing ourselves to death that's a that's a worthwhile read for any christian because the because we don't understand basic econ 101 anymore we're literally being mollified mollifying the masses here's some more money here's free debt as you know the proposal one time was for fifty thousand dollars to be erased now again My father was the first one to go to college in his family, did well as an undergrad, but he was in a school where you worked one semester in the factory and then one year, uh, that one semester back at school, one year in the factory. So he didn't accrue any debt because you worked your way through school. Then he got his master's in Michigan State, and then he did get a full ride to uh, the University of Michigan for his PhD in industrial engineering. Now, the old joke is the acorn doesn't fall from far from the tree. That's true, but it can roll way down a hill and end up being really, really far away from that tree. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) And so I I got none of that DNA. Engineering, you got to be kidding me. But the fact of the matter is, when I got ready to go to college, my parents announced to us, got to pay your way through. Wow. Now, it is true that college costs have been unaccountable and have risen well beyond the, uh, any inflation over the last 34 years. But it's in part because of government handouts that colleges are taking advantage of. Right, right. So you have more money chasing the same product that's called inflation. But I was told, and my older brother, first he went to college, Paid his way through, became police chief. I was fortunate to have some scholarship offers, athletic scholarship offers. Took one um, that paid for three years. Last year in school, knew I wasn't that great an athlete. Gave up the scholarship, paid my way through. Sold my little Datsun 100 or 300, I think it was called. It was worth $300. Sold that to pay off my $300 debt to my parents. They did lend me $300. I paid it off. Hitchhiked home from college. I always felt, well, I tell you, a college degree pays. It's just, you do so well. I had $14 in the bank, but I didn't have any debt. Hmm. And I have to admit, I may sound like an old fart, but I don't care. You say after 60, you can go ahead and say a few things you wouldn't say before. Part of it is, uh, I go now. And uh, I kept a $5 bill taped underneath my desk my senior years. I lived in a little apartment in the basement of a house. Because I said, you know, if I do well, I'm going to reward myself, go across the street to the Burger King. But I ate a whole lot of ramen noodles and oatmeal <laughs> and all that jazz. Today, you know, he dropped off Stephen at the University of Maryland. I remember one well, of the first things he did was went through the uh, – the uh what's it called these days but it was like being in a mall you had every shopping experience and every food uh food court and the rock wall and the rest and i go you know this is daggone expensive and the average student just to read about students go to great schools and run up enormous debt somewhere somewhere at north of a hundred thousand and then the next thing you know they're being almost like they're being introduced to, oh, I have to pay this off. Oh, I can't afford a home. I know that a quarter of homes now are intergenerational, but most of them are by necessity. It's boomers who didn't save, and it's college kids who had no idea that you actually have to pay off a loan. You set a terrible example, I think, to future generations, of which, with this... uh, $10,000 $10,000 and $20,000 forgiveness will, this, the research shows it will be right back to the same level of debt in five years. It didn't erase anything. It mollified the masses. It, was, it was just kind of a brazen play for votes. I get it. My plea for Christians with, that they would become better citizens I'm not even asking him to be the best of citizens right now, better citizens. I always encourage those who want to think more deeply about this to read John Kay's book, Other People's Money, The Real Business of Finance. Um, that's a worthwhile read, easy to read, fun to read. Kay's at the uh, London School of Economics. So it's not some kind of erudite um, academic work. But I think what it would do is it would widen how you imagine an understanding economics. And uh, I think we'd do well just to have some econ one 101. I even wish occasionally someone from a pulpit would preach on these sorts of things and would understand. Public Square does take in economics. And the fact of the matter is we could be different, but no nation in the history of the world has ever accrued this much debt, and then actually rebounded, they all go under.